It's so good to see you all. How about this postcard out the window? This is amazing. I, I live in Holt, and so it wasn't like this where I live. And so I was driving them to church today. I'm like, I've entered into a winter wonderland. It was awesome. I don't know how we got a little more snow and frost, like, you know, five miles north, but here we are. So for all those who've been looking for more Christmassy weather, thank you, Jesus. Uh, I'm super excited about uh, these Bibles we're going to be sponsoring and giving away. Uh, we didn't make clear for those that maybe didn't hear the announcement last week. You can sponsor one for a man or a woman, $18 a piece, so cheap. We bought these in bulk. They're under the tree. Um, and uh, yeah, they use these at Endeavor House, which is a living facility for people coming out of uh, tough living situations, um, drugs, addiction, alcohol, homelessness. Um, and they see lots of people get free, and they've seen this Bible specifically be super helpful. And so um, we wanted to bless Endeavor House. When I talked to the director, he said, would you guys be interested in sponsoring these? And we were, I was like, yes. I said, we, but I was like, yes, you weren't there. But I said, yes, we will. Uh, so we have uh, 48 to sponsor, 24 for uh, women, 24 for men. We actually have 50 under the tree. So extra blessing or we'll just keep them here to give to whoever the Lord sends. So I wonder, um, before you guys take these bookmarks away, all of them today, in Jesus' name, uh, as your commitment to sponsor these Bibles, if we just pray over them and ask the Lord uh, to bless each one to the, we don't even know where they will land, but God already knows where each of these Bibles will land. So Father in heaven, we thank you for the opportunity to bring the best gift of all, your living word, God, to those who are in need and longing for help. God, we thank you for the helper, the Holy Spirit. And we ask for a special grace and anointing to be on each one of these books, that it be more than a text. God, that it would be living, it would be active, it would be sharper than a two-edged sword. God, it would uh, cut off things that need to be cut off, that it would build up the things that need to be built up, that every person who receives one of these in that house would be a disciple. God, that we get to a see in heaven one day. And I bless uh, these Bibles. I bless every person in this room as they uh, seek you for how many they should sponsor. God, that you grace them with joy in the giving. In Jesus' name, amen. You agree? Say amen. All right. Uh, so take those today. There's a little ring in here, Daniel, just so you know. Um, I don't know how to fix it, but you do. All right, so we've been in our first love series. We're actually almost done as we've been looking at the Song of Solomon or the Song of Songs. So if you have a Bible, we'd love for you to get that out, Bible, Bible, um, into this, what's called the Song of Solomon. But I like to call the Song of Songs because that's what it titles itself. In chapter 1, verse 1, it says, The Song of Songs, the Song of All Songs, the Beautiful Declaration of God's Love. That's what, that's what this book is. And so why? Why are we studying uh, this book together in this season? Um, and why pre-Christmas? Well, to be fully transparent, uh, we weren't, it wasn't planned with Christmas in mind. <laughs> but I think God was in it. You know, love came down at Christmas in the person and the form of Jesus. And Jesus himself will, lived his life showed us the way, offered his life so that he could have a bride. And at the end of the day, when it all shakes out, when Jesus returns, Jesus will have a worthy bride. What's that? A people. 
People like you and me who are fully given to him in love, who partner our lives with his, not just on earth, but for eternity. He will have the desire of his heart, what he died and paid for, a worthy bride for eternity. That's you and me. And that's what this book is about. We are his glorious inheritance. Did you know that? That's what Ephesians says. And so the Song of Songs is a story, it's a a poetic story um, about a king and a woman that called in some versions the Shulamite, which was to be his bride. And, and in this story, it's a poetic love song, and we are reading it through the lens of an allegory of King Jesus speaking to us as his bride. And he makes all these incredible declarations about her uh, when she's still on the journey. She's not all the way there, but he continues, as we've been looking at the last few weeks, to, to declare, I love you. You are my beloved. This is who you are. I am after you. And that's what he's saying to you and me is we are on our journey in this life. Amen? So far we've talked about uh, in chapter 1 how God's love is better than the pleasures of this world. How God sees us and how when we see him we are transformed. And then um, how when we see God, he fascinates our hearts and draws us into love. So coming into today... um, was an ex- we'll be in chapter 8 of the Song of Songs. Um, we're going to le- read a short portion in a moment. But it, it speaks about um, someone coming up out of the wilderness. And we're going to read it in a second. But I didn't realize the parallel here as we're in Advent season, you know, where classically the, the church will take weeks to remember the coming of Jesus, sort of the, even the darkness that, that was present before that moment when the baby came in the manger, right? And how the people of Israel had been longing, had been waiting for hundreds and hundreds of years, generations for God to fulfill his promise of the coming Messiah. In, in, in every way, it was like a wilderness for the people of God. And in that, that time where it seemed like God was silent, he was not distant. And we see in the story of Jesus, which we're not going to read all of it today, but you may be familiar with it, there were a people who were longing, who were looking, who were waiting, even in the wilderness, even in that darkness of time. Their eyes were fixed. Lord, you said that you would come. You said there would be a Messiah. And think of it. Think of the story. Think of Anna and Simeon, how they had long awaited their whole lives. They've never seen him. They didn't know if they would see him, but their whole lives were looking for that day. And they did. They did get to see him. Others in the story, John the Baptist, his life was given for this one, the wise men. In the darkness of that geography, in their geography, in that season of history, were looking for something more. Their eyes were fixed up. And the shepherds, the angels came, even, even Mary was waiting, looking, a soul given to God in the wilderness. And all these people we see easily in the Christmas story, what? Their faith was rewarded. God came through. He met them. He led them. And uh, even in the wilderness of time, those that look to him will come out leaning. And uh, I just want to make it personal and practical as we begin to dive in. If in whatever way in this season of time, in this season of life, you feel displaced, discomforted, 
disheartened in some way, wondering, where's God? What's God doing? This message is for you. Because those who find themselves in seemingly dark places, it's all of us, <laughs> if you continually look to him, you'll come up leaning, just like the beloved in the story does. This message is for all of us today. So as we look to him, I'm going to pray. I'm going to dive into the word. I also want to take a moment just so you know, you're not surprised. I'm sure you'll join with me, but um, I want to pray as we jump in today also for, for several in our, in our spiritual family who are sick or experiencing different kinds of crisis that aren't with us today, that we would just uh, send the presence of Jesus to them as well today. Amen. Father, we come to you today in the name of Jesus, and we thank you for your Holy Spirit with us. We thank you that your light shines on us even in, in the darkest of moments. I pray today that the shining star of Jesus would continue to lead us, would continue to lead every individual soul in this room, but that the light of Jesus would continue to lead us as a people into your purposes. Lord, as we open your word, would you speak? Would you release grace and strength? Would you yourself speak, God, not just myself as we are in this time? And Lord, for those today who are sick, release healing. God, those who are in intense crisis, Lord, we ask for the presence of God to be present. That you would make yourself known in such real and tangible ways, um, with answers, but with comfort, with peace, with breakthrough. And yes, and again, I pray for healing. We thank you for it. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done in the mighty name of Jesus. If you agree, you can say amen. 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 So the title of today's message is Sealed in Love. And we're going to run through a lot. Just listen for what the Holy Spirit's saying to you. Song of Songs, chapter 8, starting in verse 5. We're going to just read a short section of this. Because again, being poetic, um, poetic, a poetic song and an allegory, if you remember, you may have to think back, literature classes, there's so much that can be unpacked in just a few verses. How much more with the living, breathing word of God, amen? So Song of Songs, chapter 8, verse 5, 6, and 7. Who is that coming up from the wilderness, leaning on her beloved? Under the apple tree I awakened you, there your mother was in labor with you. There she who bore you was in labor. Verse 6. Set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm, for love is as strong as death, jealousy fierce as the grave. Its flashes are flashes of fire, the very flame of the Lord. Verse 7. Many waters cannot quench love, neither can floods drown it. If a man offered for love all the wealth of his house, he would be utterly despised. All right, we're going to stop there. We won't be able to unpack all the symbols in here. Um, I just invite you to go on a journey with the Holy Spirit. He, he will take you through this. I'm, I'm speaking from my own experience. I remember... Uh, maybe I'll share the story later, but I remember as a young man, 21, 20 years old, somebody said, or the Holy Spirit said, dive into the Song of Solomon. Jesus is there. I knew nothing. I had no training. I had no historical background to look into, but I opened up these words, 
with the Holy Spirit, and it marked my life. So just a testimony there. If there's something here you don't get that we don't touch, just take this before the Lord, ask the Holy Spirit. He is the best teacher. Amen? So we're starting in verse 5. Well, who is this? Who is that? Depending on your, ver- your version. Who is this coming up from the wilderness? Leaning on her beloved. So we see the picture, at, and this is at the end of the story, of someone, the Shulamite, the woman, coming out of the wilderness, leaning. So coming out of a time of testing, out of a time of trial, leaning, not destroyed, not you know, bedraggled, not lost, not limping, but leaning. And this is our story. This is our song personally, but even as we look at the scripture, and I, I, I mentioned this actually at the very beginning of this series, and I'm not going to unpack this either, but ask the Lord to help you. The song of songs, I believe, and this is part of what marked my heart reading it as a 20-year-old, um, actually unpacks, if you look at it, if you read the whole thing, I believe redemptive history from Genesis to Revelation, I believe, is in here. And so chapter 8 is giving us the revelation, uh, the end of the book, the end of the story revelation of what it will look like after a time of tribulation that will come on the earth, yea, maybe is already in the earth, that there will be a people committed to God, in love with God, who come up not just limping, not just surviving, but leaning on Jesus. That will be the story at the end of history. And we're closer now to that moment than we've ever been. Jesus will return, and and he will have a people who come out of maybe the most intense time that the earth has ever seen, but are leaning on him. Fully in love, fully strengthened, fully secure, committed, and dependent on him. This is the mark of our spiritual maturity. Jesus prophesied it, Matthew chapter 24. There will be a great tribulation that comes on the earth. It will come. There will be uh, famines. There will be signs. There will be shakings. And I believe we've had some shakings. Wouldn't you? In the past couple of years? These were promised to us not to weaken us, but to strengthen us. They're promised to purify us, to bring us forth, and to mature us in love. This section that we're reading talks about the maturity of those who are the people of God, becoming the beloved of God, who have cultivated hearts that are fully leaning on Him and Him alone. Is this making sense? The end of the story at the end of the age will be this. But let me tell you this, the end of the story of whatever you're walking right now, God's desire, God's will, For your story right now is whatever you're facing, whatever you're in the middle of, you would come up leaning. You'd come up victorious. You'd come up strong but dependent. That's what he's doing in your life. And there, so there has been some shaking, and Jesus said there will even be persecution for those who believe on him. Now, some would say it's happening here. I'd say barely. If there's any persecution in the U.S., it's featherweight compared to what many in other nations are facing. Uh, if you think you've seen persecution, you ain't seen nothing yet. It will come. It's part of our journey. But what's the will of the Lord? You will come up leaning. 
We have nothing to fear. So a great persecution will come. Some shakings have come. More shakings will come. And these are these are allowed, some of them are, are planned, some of them are, are cultivated, scheduled in the calendar of God with one purpose in mind, that it would cause us, God's people, that it would cause us, the church, to lean more fully on Jesus. There's nothing to fear when we lean fully on Jesus. It doesn't matter how, how violent the shakings culturally could be. It doesn't matter how intense the persecution might be. A person fully leaning on Jesus has nothing to fear because his perfect love casts out all fear. So I want to tell you, when we talk about the Song of Songs, when we talk about the great love of God, when we talk about God wanting you to own the identity, I am his beloved, it isn't some sort of fluffy message. This is life and death power for those that walk with God. To know who you are to him, to know who you are with him. The love of God will help us. Knowing we are beloved of God will cause us to overcome sin. It will cause us to overcome temptation. It will cause us to weather through the shaking. We need not fear in times of persecution, in times of wilderness, because you know what? We're not alone. God leads. Can I rewind with you? on the story of the people of God, the Israelites in the wilderness. It was a wilderness, right? He promised them the promised land. He made them a promise. He uh, delivered them out of oppression and slavery in Egypt with a promise. I am going to bring you into a land for you, a land flowing of milk and honey. You will be free. But they had to go on a journey, and they went on a journey through the wilderness. But what happened on that journey in the wilderness? Does anybody remember Crazy miracles happened in the wilderness. When we think of the wilderness, we think, oh, God's far away. He's distant. We're all alone. I hope we make it through. But what's the testimony of Scripture about our wilderness seasons? If we look at the people of God, is God was so present and with them. Their circumstance may not have been ideal. They weren't yet in the fullness of the promises of God, but God was with them. How? They had stinking water coming out of rocks. Oh, this seems impossible. I'm going to die in this wilderness. It's not going to work out for me. God says, what? What do you need? You, need, you think you're going to die of thirst? Here's water out of a, a rock. Is anything too hard for God? Oh, you're, you're hungry and there's nothing to eat? No, no problem. Food every day. Every day. Thank you, Miss Irene. And, and they didn't even know what it was. They called a man and machines. What is that? But it was God's provision. So get, did God provide? Yes. In the, in the wilderness seasons, God provided. What else did they have? Oh my goodness, divine direction. Right? Follow the cloud during the day. Follow the fire at night. God, where are you leading me was not a question. We think when we get into a wilderness that everything's bad and God's gone. But no, if you're in a wilderness season, God is guiding. God is leading. Look for the cloud. Look for the fire. What can you expect in your wilderness season? You can expect perfect, miraculous provision. You can expect divine direction and guidance because God doesn't leave you alone in the wilderness. 
He walks with you to teach you to lean. How about I say it again? Uh, God doesn't leave you alone in the wilderness. He provides your needs miraculously, and he leads you divinely. You're not alone. You're not alone in the wilderness. He is with you, so you learn how to lean on him. He will lead, he will provide, but the best gift of all, the one thing the Israelites always had in Egypt, in the wilderness, and when he delivered them into the promised land, what was the, you know what the one constant thing was that they had that no one else had? Him. It's the best gift of all. The hand of God, the presence of God truly is the greatest gift you have him, it doesn't matter where you walk. It doesn't matter what you walk through. Uh, even as Jesus said, you, they could take your body, but they can't take your soul. The wilderness of this fallen world even. God's with us, and we learn to lean, not just in the shakings culturally, not just in the persecution, but in any and everything that happens in your life that seems unexpected. And everything in your life that seems less than ideal, seems like it's less than heaven, is your opportunity today to lean. Today is your day of maturing in love. So that on the day when Jesus does return, we've already learned. We've already been leaning on our beloved. Every situation you're facing right now. Every circumstance right now is your opportunity to find him in your wilderness. He must be beloved to you. You are beloved to him. You know, well, I'm going to keep going. So, learning to lean on the love of God uh, and it goes on to say in this, this passage, um, who is this coming up from the wilderness, leaning on her beloved? And then verse 6, set me as a seal upon your heart, for love is as strong as death. And it's really the story of learning to know and walk in and trust in the love of God, which is connected and understood best in context to what Jesus called the first and greatest commandment. Uh, in Matthew chapter 22, you may be familiar with it, was actually Jesus' final public address uh, to the crowds. Now, he spoke more after that with just his disciples in, in secret places, but Matthew 22 is his final uh, public address to the people and he said this in Matthew chapter 22, starting verse 37 to 38. It says, he made a declaration. He said, you shall love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. It means that it is God's first priority in your life to bring you into the place of his perfect love. Do you see that? It is first and greatest in his heart. So the, the agenda of God in your life 
No matter where you are, how old you are, what you know about God or not, the agenda of God, the work of the Holy Spirit, in whatever you're facing right now is one thing, to establish this first commandment in first place in you. To get you into the place of his perfect love. That, and he declared he would do it. He said, you will. And say, try really hard to do it. He said, you will. I, I love the way that, that he said that. And it was quote out of Deuteronomy. That God declared over the people of God, you shall, you will. I'm going to make sure. I'm going to help you. I'm going to be in the journey to get you to the place where you love me with all that you are. Not based on all of, his, all of our hard work, but based on his work in us. Based on his love for us. So I just want to guarantee you one thing. The, the agenda of the Holy Spirit working your life right now is this. this. This is what he's doing. But the command to love God, as I just alluded to, is very important. doesn't start with us. It starts with him. It is really the ultimate expression of who he already is. He has already and currently and forever will love you and me with all of his heart and all of his soul and all of his mind. And Jesus' life, death, resurrection was the ultimate demonstration of it. This is how I feel about you. He's made this statement clear, and it's not like he turned it off. It's like, let's see how they do. No, he said, this is how I've always been loving you, full strength, all my heart, all my soul, all my strength is given to this one thing, to love you. And the more we see it, the more we experience it, the more it comes alive in our heart. Because it's the love of God that, that fuels love for God in us. Or as Mike Bickles says, you can't, it takes God to love God. The, the impetus of this starts with him, and he already started. He's already begun this work in you. Did you know? And what way does he love us? In the same way the Father loves the Son. The same way God loves God is the way he loves you. Do you think there's any limitation, any hindrance in that love? No. Any reservation, any hesitation in the love between the Father and Son? No. In the same way he loves you. John chapter 15 verse 9. Annie's like on it. She's ready to preach the message. As the Father has loved me, I have loved you you same love so what do you do live in it live from it dwell in it don't move from it don't try to earn your way into it don't try to earn your way out of it don't try to repay it abide in it abide in my love this is the measure of his love for us and it is our invitation into being and embracing our identity as the beloved of God. We have been already perfectly and fully loved. Amen and amen. When you get that, you know what's going to happen? You shall love him with your whole heart. Your whole mind, your whole strength will be given. It multiplies in us and through us. It, by nature, love continues to grow with us it's the only way that god is did you know that like god can only love with his whole heart it's who he is and and we were he can't hold back like he is a wholehearted being god is that's why we were created in fact that his love needed <laughs> needed a target beyond himself and he created you and me in his image to be the target 
for the great love of God. That we would share with him what he, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit had been experiencing together from eternity past. He brought us into this story and made us in his image, which means we're created to be the same. That in his likeness, we are created to be wholehearted. To be wholehearted in love with him. Have you ever noticed when you're not wholehearted in anything, it's not satisfying? It's because we're made in the image of God. The primary work of the Holy Spirit in your life right now is moving your heart to know the love of God and to love him back. Every circumstance in your life, he's using to bring forth love for God, if you will let him. As I started today, whatever situation, circumstance you find in yourself in, whether you may be confused, discomforted, disoriented, let's call it a wilderness. This is what he's trying to bring forth in you if you will learn to lean. If you learn to trust in the perfect love of God. Let me tell you this. Whatever you're facing right now, you could change the scenery. You could change the location. You could change the people. You can change the circumstances you're experiencing. But at the end of the day, God's agenda in your life will be the same. Did you get that? How many times do we, well, if I could just change this, or if I wasn't in this situation, or this people, or this city, or this job, or this church, well, things would be better, they'd be different. Well, God would still be about the same work in your heart. Guaranteed. Now, he may send you to different scenery, different location, different people, different circumstance, but don't think you get out of the, the work of the Holy Spirit cultivating love for Jesus giving you opportunities every day to lean on Jesus. Giving you opportunities to lean away from your own understanding. Does this sound familiar, anybody? And to fully rely on God. I'll just tell you, Proverbs chapter 3. Just in case you're wondering. Lean not on your understanding, but in all of your ways acknowledge him. He will direct your path. It's the wilderness. In all of your ways, lean on him. And that is the picture of that verse, that literally if you were to a place, if you've ever done like trust falls, <laughs> where you're leaning so far that you can't get yourself up again, you don't get to stand on your own two feet again, that your understanding is no longer holding you, that's how we lean. When it's out of my control, to get myself out of this situation, but God's holding me. God's got me. God's, God's strength is holding me up. This is what he's doing in your life, friends. And then he says to the beloved in this passage, set me as a seal upon your heart and upon your arm and a uh, I'm just going to go through these last couple of things pretty quick. Um, but that seal you may be uh, familiar with. Um, in the ancient world, kings would use a seal. Uh, they would use wax, uh, and they would put it on important documents to seal them, and they'd press their signet ring on it. And, and that was a, it, it spoke of, it was a, a declaration of their ownership over that message or over that document. 
but also symbolized the protection and the guarantee and the power of their kingdom was behind whatever was in that. And so when the king says to us, his beloved, set me, let me be the seal on your heart, let me be the seal on your arm, he's speaking to us about our internal life, that's our heart, our emotions, our mind, and our arm represents our actions, our life, our ministry, our calling, our jobs. He says, let me be the seal, let me take ownership, let me give protection, let me put the power of my kingdom over your heart. Let me, put, let me put my guarantee over your arm, your ministry, your life, your accomplishments. Set me as the seal, as the guarantee, not yourself, not your own strength, not your own understanding. Set me as the seal over your heart. And it's not a one-time deal. I think it's a progressive, ongoing invitation for us to give him ownership over our heart and our lives. See, he didn't say, I'm going to do this. He says, let me be this to you. Set me as a seal. Let me be the seal on your heart and your arm. Why? Because my love is stronger. My love is stronger than what you're experiencing. My love is stronger than your love. <laughs> my love is stronger than, than anything you've seen in this world. And the guarantee of, of my power in my love is what will keep you. But I'm not going to force myself upon you. He's not going to make us take it. He's not going to make us be his. But every day and every moment and every situation, and especially in the wilderness times of life, if we say, Lord, would you be the seal on my heart? Would you seal my heart, my emotions with who you are? Would you seal my arm, my actions with your kingdom and your love? Would you seal me with the, these realities? I give you permission. I give you ownership of me. I see that you have loved me and I trust your love and I trust that I am your beloved and you will do right by me. Amen? It's our choice in every moment to, to set him as the seal on our heart, to ask him to be the strength, to be the power, to let him be the one strengthening us. And this is New Testament as well. Um, Romans 13 and Colossians 3 talk about this. Put on the Lord Jesus. Put on love. It's our decision daily to say yes to the way of being God's beloved. It's our decision daily to take what he has freely provided and make it our identity. Does this make sense? We set him as a seal on our heart by, by seeking him, inviting him, welcoming him, Submitting to his lordship and leadership is the ways that, that we lean. And then he goes on to say, For love is strong as death, jealousy unyielding as the grave, a very vehement flame, and many waters cannot quench his love. Well, that sounds like something. Sounds like a good spot to, to wrap. I'm going to run through these quick. And, but make them your prayer, Lord, show me what this means about you. Show me what this means about your love, that you want to seal my heart in this kind of love. Strong as the grave or strong as death, I'll start with. He's saying that his love for us and in us is as all-encompassing as death. And what does that mean? Well, in our current natural age, nothing escapes death, right? Right? Everything dies. Death will claim 
our physical frame and all the natural beauty that we see one day will be claimed by death, but yet God's love pervades. It's stronger than that. God's love will not allow any area of our lives to be untouched. We will allow it to seal our heart, to seal our arm, that that we would allow no area to be untouched. Just as death touches all of natural creation, we would let the love of God touch every part of us. There'd be no areas in us that are dark or hidden from God. That he's jealous, that he is a consuming fire, a consuming fire that wants to consume all of us. And if you know that his intention to you is good, that's a good thing. We shouldn't be afraid of God's love consuming us. Amen? It's, it's unto our good. You know, but, but we have to allow it. He won't force himself upon us again. It's the invitation to the flame of God. Come, consume me. So that's what fire does. It consumes. God's jealousy um, will come and illuminate dark places and heal the broken places. We want it. It's a very vehement flame. When we are consumed by love, we will be consumed in love and empowered to love. And then he says, many waters cannot quench this love. And again, it's in the same thought of the king's seal upon our heart. The king's seal upon our arm, meaning our our heart, our mind, will, emotions, and our actions, our lives the outworking of of what we do. God's seal, the flame of divine love, cannot be quenched by many waters. Those waters would represent the waters of sin, pressure, temptation. You know, in the natural, water, at least increasing amounts of water, will always put out fire, won't they? But in the love of God, is unquenchable no matter what this world will throw at us. Whether it's our own sin, the pressure around us, the persecution that comes, none of those waters can extinguish God's flame. Hallelujah. None of them can extinguish them in you when you let him be the seal upon your heart and arm. The enemy will be sure to send you many waters of temptation, disappointment, and pain in an attempt to put out the flame of God's love in you, but when you are continually inviting God to be that seal, his work will not prevail. Amen? He, he will, his love will overcome. When we yield to find ourselves in the love of God, it will always overpower the temptation. It will always carry us through the disappointment. It will always bring us to healing from the pain. This is a biblical promise throughout Scripture. You pass through the waters, I'll be with you. Through the rivers, they'll not overflow you. You've heard this from Isaiah chapter 43. And the last thing it says uh, in this passage we read is that, and it it seems a little strange, this we're going to end, that uh, verse 7 of chapter 8, if a man would give for love, all the wealth of his house 
it would be utterly despised. If a man would give everything he has, essentially, for the sake of love, it would seem to him like nonsense. What, what does that actually mean? Is that to a person who has seen, known, encountered the love of Jesus, to give up all we have would seem like a pittance. Seems like nothing. There's no comparison. There's, there's no price too high that we would give than knowing God. I think of, of the Apostle Paul and how he described his own life. You know, he was a man in the natural of great status, prestige, honor, you know, uh, and fame in, in the natural, but then when it came down to it, he penned the words to the Philippians, chapter 3, verse 8, we'll put it up here. All the things he had, he said, I count all these things loss for the sake of uh, the excellence of the knowledge of Jesus means for the sake of knowing God. In comparison to knowing God, they don't compare. For whom I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. Why? That I may gain Christ. Take the world, but give me Jesus. Doesn't matter to me. I, I would despise anything. I would choose nothing else over him, is what it means. This is the, the end of the matter, that his love is our reward. That knowing him and being his beloved is our greatest reward. And the work of God in your life today is to get your heart to the place where you believe that. And to get your life to a place where it reflects that. Nothing else is more important to me than knowing him, loving him, walking with him. You're the only one that can give him that gift. And he won't force you to do it. It's a gift you get to give. And, and you can quit anytime. But I tell you, the love of God in you will propel you forward. end on this quote from Martin Luther King Jr. that I was thinking as I was preparing this. Uh, I was like, who said that? I actually didn't know. Uh, but it says that life isn't worth living until you've found something worth dying for. Life isn't worth living until you've found something worth dying for. Well, I'll tell you, there's really the most valuable thing that you could die for is to know God. The most valuable thing you could live for is knowing God. This is the life we want to live. Change the scenery, change the circumstance, put us in a new location with different people, with more money, more fame, more experience. Let us be found leaning. Let God have his way in us. Let's stand together as we pray. Would you mind coming up, Justin? Thank you. I want to tell you as um, we wrap up today that and remind you of this truth that Christmas, Advent reminds us Jesus is, is with us even when we don't see that he's with us. The light of that star is shining even when it's dark. His leadership is with you. His presence is with you. Look up. 
lean. God has loved you from death to life. From his own death to life. To give us life from the dead. And we are invited to live in a way where we are completely leaning, completely trusting, knowing that we are his beloved. And so as we wrap and pray, I want to ask you a question. Are you leaning on Jesus fully today? Have you encountered the love of God that is worth your very all for the first time or for the millionth time? You know, he gave his very all for you. And the right and worthy response, especially if you've been living apart from him, when you see him as he is, is to give all of you back to him because he gave all of himself for you. Would you like to make a choice today to submit your life to him, to let the seal of his love guard your heart and your arm, to come and give you life from the dead? If, if you're here today and, and you have not yet made that decision the first time to follow Jesus, to lean not on your own understanding, but to lean into him, I want to invite you to do that today. Let's come before him in prayer. Father, we thank you for the perfect gift of Jesus who gave his life to bring us life, who called us out of darkness and into light. Lord, I ask today for grace for every person here to take the step towards you, God, for every person here to invite you again to be the seal to lean again upon your love, to trust again that you are for and with us. And if you're here, as I said already, and and this would be the day, you'd say, I want to say yes the first time. I want to uh, say yes to Jesus and make him Lord and leader, make him king, to put away my life of death and experience his eternal life. Would you just raise your hand where you are? I'm going to pray for you. And if you're here today, and I saw, I think, one hand there. Thank you. If you're here today, and you're in a place where that's me. I'm in the wilderness. (laughs) You're in a shaking. You're in a tribulation. I want to tell you, you're not alone. I want to tell you that God's with you. And he's giving you the invitation to lean upon him in this season. Don't lean on your own understanding. Lean into him and find his strength. If that's you and you just need that impartation, you need to lean into the strength of Jesus' love for you today, would you just raise your hand real quick? I'm going to pray over all of you. Yep. Yep, 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 yep. If that's you, just put your hands out in front of you and receive it from him. Just imagine yourself leaning into the strong stature of Jesus, the one who has loved you with an everlasting love. In Jesus' name, I speak grace, grace, grace over these ones. 
Lord, and I release a, a tangible revelation of your presence with them. God, I pray they would see uh, the light guiding. I pray they'd hear your voice speaking, God, in the middle of the darkness. I pray that as they let go of what makes sense to them, they would find the presence of God is with them. As they let go of what they think they should do, they'd find that you have a direction, that you're leading. And Lord, I pray in whatever way it's needed that you bring water from rocks. You'd bring provision, God, in hard places, God. That whatever is needed, you'd apply abundantly. You'd supply abundantly daily the provision from heaven, whether it's relational connection, whether it's spiritual strength, whether it's emotional stamina, God, I pray that you would pour into them like water from a rock, God, that you give abundance from heaven for every need, God, that they would not doubt for a second that you're with them, God. If they're like, where is he leading me? God, I pray for eyes to see where you're leading, how you're leading, what you're doing, how you're leading them in the day with cloud and at night with fire. God, I pray for um, just the security of your, your presence, the security of your direction, the peace that comes with the voice of God leading. God, for every person, God, they would not feel alone. But even in this moment right now as we're praying, the sense of peace of the presence of Jesus would come upon their heart. I break off the work of the devil of accusation. I break off the works of anxiety. I break off the heavy yoke and I release the light yoke of knowing Jesus. I release a rejoicing gladness that you've got it all in hand. And God, that you're for them, you're with them. What could stand against them? God, thank you that no weapon formed will prosper. God, no temptation, no accusation, no shaking, no persecution, no lack will prosper against them, God. You're for them. Well, you're with them. You're fighting on their behalf, and they are victorious in you. They will come up victorious. They will come up leaning. They will be seen and know that they are conquerors because of you. So, Lord, today we say, and everyone in the room, if you're willing, if you're willing to make this invitation, just place your hand on your heart. Lord, would you be the seal upon our hearts? Would you set yourself as a seal upon us? God, we give you permission. Come and consume all we are. We give you permission. Come have your way. So come and consume, God, all we are. We give you permission. 